Welcome to Roll with Adventure, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast that transports you through the power of imagination from our world to the far off world of Ibris, a land full of heroes and villains, the evil and the divine, monsters, miracles, and, of course, magic. We're delighted to bring this adventure from our imagination to your ears. If you like what you hear, please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us and this podcast, or preferably both, please visit us at RollWithAdventure.com. And now, let's listen as our heroes roll with adventure. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Roll With Adventure's campaign of Shadows and Bliss. My name is Cass, and I am the Dungeon Master for this ragtag band of heroes. Today, our journey into this tale of adventure, intrigue, secrets, and magic across the world of Ibris continues. This episode continues during the late morning, approaching midday, of Seclum, the third of Leonay, in the year 1083 PR, in the upper reaches of Sir Jared's bandit hideout, where our heroes have become locked in combat. Now, before we dive right in, let's meet our band of heroes. To decide the order of introduction, let's roll player initiative, not character. And remember, here, we roll with adventure. So how dexterous or not have each of you been this past week? So yesterday, uh, one of the people I work with was telling me all about how he had ordered a lightsaber from Amazon, and that it was very inexpensive, and in fact so inexpensive that he had paid the expedited shipping costs so he could have his lightsaber even sooner than it ordinarily would be available. And if you know me, you know what a trap the word even lightsaber is. And I spent probably a good 20 minutes Googling this company and then discovering that they weren't as good as this other lightsaber company. Anyway, long story short, um, I got all the way to the point where I had put a lightsaber into my cart and I had... Um, gone through the checkout process and figured out how much shipping would be, and then I realized this was a trap. Uh, and so I dexterously uh, closed that tab and ha have ignored their emails saying that I still have something in my cart. So I'm going to take a plus one for mental dexterity. Can I ask in what sense it was a trap? They they had lightsabers, and they were trying to get me to spend money on them. Ah, wisely avoided. Don't you already have a really cool one from Disneyland? Uh, yeah. I also have a not-so-cool one from a website <laughs> that I bought uh, a mystery lightsaber from. <laughs> uh, but the one from Disneyland has, like, a battery issue, so it keeps draining the batteries even though it's not being used. I digress. I am going to take a negative two dexterity because I went to see the doctor and they helped me with a problem with my neck, but... It's going to start healing soon, but until then, it's uncomfortable and it hurts. And I move like an incredibly decrepit elderly person who is, I don't know, incapable of movement. So yeah, no uh, And we mean no offense to, to the decrepit elderly people. No, I'm sure there are decrepit elderly people that are way more dexterous than I am at the moment. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to, we just don't want to offend them. All our, right. To all our decrepit elderly listeners, we love you. <laughs> And we shouldn't have described you as decrepit. To all of our venerable, <laughs> long-lived listeners. Should I just start this again? <laughs> I feel like decrepit's fine as long as it's like, to all the decrepit listeners, as in listeners that identify themselves as decrepit. 
Yeah. Right. Feel like, right. Yeah. If Good call, like David. If an inaccurate term, then they just don't associate with that particular section of our listening base. Yes, I'm not calling anybody decrepit except for myself. I'm going to give myself a plus one today because I got four toddlers, four and under, to do painting all at the same time without it getting in anybody's hair, which is a big deal. I mean, did it get on faces and hands and arms and all their clothes? Yes. But did it get in their hair? No. Did any of them eat any paint? No. So I think I deserve a plus one for that. That's impressive. I'm going to go ahead and take a negative one. Um, went to drink some water this morning that I'd left in the back of the fridge. I ended up smelling the face with the block of ice that was there instead. Ooh. So, Well, let's see what you guys roll. That's an 11. Ooh, a modified 10. Ooh, a modified 1. A modified 4. We're off to a good start this evening. I went to bite a chip and then realized I was going first at 11. <laughs> <laughs> My name is David. I play Jovan Savage Cooperson, uh, who is a human scholar. Um, fun fact about Jovan, or would this be a more fun fact about Quarry? I'm not sure. Uh, Quarry is the second Goliath that he's ever met. Uh, uh-huh. The first one was an associate of his named Big Blue, who uh, worked as a actually as a medic back during the ten years previous to him living in New City. Uh, I am Brian. I am at MindOverBrian on both Twitter and Twitch, although on Twitch I spell it with a zero. And hopefully, uh, by this point in the publishing series, I'll have actually started to do things on my Twitch channel. Uh, but I make no uh, retroactive promises, I guess. <laughs> I play Melian Barebone, a changeling barbarian who usually looks like a half-elf with a cool, cool-ass scar, um, but uh, currently looks like uh, a big white lion dude, I think. Uh, if I remember where we're at correctly. Mm. Um, but interesting fact about Melian is that he used to be a mercenary in a band called the Red Exiles. They were sort of an upstart band of, of mercenaries who had developed a sort of bit of a name for themselves. He had worked his, all his way all the way up to lieutenant before they were uh, all wiped out in a, in a meaningless skirmish on the border of some no-name country. Uh, and so uh, that's approximately the time that he meant... Uh, he meant, meant. Boop, boop. Let's try this one more time. That is approximately the time that he met Faelith. Hello, I am Sasha, and I play Faelith, the half-elven bard who was raised by and speak to ghosts. Uh, my fun fact, Faelith, today is that she never learned that you're supposed to peel certain fruits, uh, which has led her to a strong dislike of things like oranges or bananas or anything that's got, like, a thick rind on it because they all taste horrible and she cannot understand why people like them so much. That's so cute. Almost everything about Faelith is so cute. I was going to say everything and then I remember the tooth collecting. (laughs) (laughs) What? Her tooth collection isn't cute? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, my name's Allie and I'm playing Quarry Anaclathi Bostuk Base, a Goliath Paladin. There are three people in the world that Quarry trusts more than any other. Bavel, Severin, and Stefan. Bavel introduced Quarry to Sol. Severin taught Quarry everything they know about Sol. And Quarry apprenticed under Stefan before becoming a paladin of Sol. Now that everyone has introduced themselves, let's get this adventure rolling. And remember here, we roll with adventure.
Last session, our party found both Gwyneth's lost apprentice, Trent, and the missing council member, Master Zadok Marsh. While investigating to find Master Marsh, our party explored the upper sections of the bandit hideout, discovering some maps of the surrounding land that looked to be battle plans before splitting up. Quarry, Faileth, and Yovan investigating a nearby room behind a recently constructed iron door, which revealed to be an arcane room used likely for nefarious purposes, while Melian discovered an opulent bedroom and ultimately Marsh's prison. Eventually, the party made it back to each other, freed Marsh, and set out to leave, but were stopped in their tracks by Sir Jared, the druid Edelbaran, and a few other bandits. A fight quickly broke out, and it now continues. To set the scene, Sir Jared and Melian lay locked in combat near the edge of the cliff, while Faileth, with Faileth, at Sir Jared's feet. Kwari fights against the bandit foreman, Ascal, near the mouth of the bridge. One other bandit laying dead beside them, while Edelbaran stands farther out on the center of the bridge as a scarf-turned serpent now slithers towards Faileth and Melian. Behind Kwari stands Yovan, his crossbow loaded, and Marsh, nearby wearing borrowed armor, defends poor, unarmored Trent. Further behind Edelbarn on the bridge, a bandit appears to be yelling for help, though his voice strangely does not reach each of you, as if muffled by something. To clear up some mechanical decisions from the end of last session while we were all really tired, Faileth, you're at Sir Jared's feet. Last episode, you said that you'd wrapped yourself around his legs. I'm going to basically treat this as flavor rather than mechanics, because otherwise, I think you'd actually need to make a grapple check to, like, restrain oh, yeah, I'm him, not and I don't think him. that's I'm what just, you were actually trying. I'm just sitting there. That's what I thought. Uh, yep. So, just to make sure it's clear, he won't get any bonuses or negatives to attacking you, but you also don't get any bonuses or negatives to attacking him. And yep. if you do want to impede him, or make it that he needs to take an action to shake you off, you're going to need to grapple him. Yep. No, I just needed to be touching him to use Inflict Wounds, and it's way more fun to be throwing self at his ankles. Yovan, I'm going to carry this over also to our conversation about nets and telekinetic shove. Last episode, I know I said that it worked for getting two people in one square to be affected by the same net, but... I'm going to rescind that before it causes too many problems, since it hasn't actually impacted combat. So, should be fine. So, just to clarify, with your single-person nets, you can't affect two or more people, as they're only meant to be designed to affect one. Though, if in future situations it's appropriate based on roleplay, such as you have, like, two people prone in the same square that you throw a net at, or you do some... there's more added to it, or it's a larger net dialogue and conversation is definitely open for sure that's probably wise i saw a lot of potential trouble coming from that ruling but after actually having a decent night's sleep and well recovering from getting sick i was like huh that was not smart no worries our combat now resumes with ascal as he fights against kawari after ascal the bandit behind edelbarn out on the bridge will go then it is Jovan's turn, and Edelbarn will bring up the rear with his turn and the scarf-turned serpent, 
before we return to the top of the round. So, Jovan, you should start thinking about what you're planning to do. And at the top of the round, we can all, when we're getting closer to the top of the round, I'll tell you who's up next. Quarry, Askel, near you, right across from you, fighting against you. You can see fear flashing in his eyes. He's going to disengage from you, and he's going to run. He's going to run past you. Surprising, he doesn't dart back out onto the bridge. Instead, he's running down the tunnel towards the room you think is Sir Jared's. And as he does so, he yells, I will bring reinforcements! Because he's disengaging, Quarry, you don't get an attack of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Next up, the bandit behind Edelbarren can be seen waving his hands and yelling, though for you guys the sound is strangely muffled, as if it's going through some kind of barrier or wall. It appears, though, that he has gotten the attention of the bandits below, so you likely can expect some reinforcements to come from th- that direction, too. Jovan, it's your turn. First off, I'm going to yell out to Melian, um, Corey. I don't, uh, no, she's, she's attached to the leg, I don't think she's going to be paying much attention. But if I can yell at these two, um, we can't fight here. This isn't a fight for us. We need to go. Down. The path down in the room. I'll meet you there. And he's going to make a movement action after a skill and attempt to put a couple shots into him and slow him down. Sorry, so Corey's no longer engaged with anyone. Melian currently is, though. How is he looking there? Um, is it going to be difficult for him to disengage and move away? Melian's doing real good. I could have offered to pull you away from them, but uh, I, I think you'll be alright. Right. First shot, it's going to be a uh, 17 to hit on the first shot against a skill. That will hit. And that I do five damage. And then second shot with a bonus action, that's going to be a 9. That will not hit. That bolt is going to go wide. Your other one does clip him in the arm, but he's still charging down that path. Oh, absolutely. You do see yeah. him glance back at you. Uh, and then I'm going to treat You are about 15 feet behind Ascal. That should be manageable. Okay. I may have solutions for slowing him down next round, but that depends on how this all goes. That'll be me. With that, it is going to be Edelbarren's turn and then his serpent. After that, we get to the top of the round and Jared will go. After Jared's gone, Melian, you'll be up. So, you can start planning. You cannot hear Edelbarren's voice. It's muffled, strangely. But you do see him begin to raise his staff, and a sort of glow begins to gather around it. You almost, it looks like tiny little drops of snow beginning to gather. But as Edelbarn raises his staff to unleash his spell, you see an emerald glimmer light. And that emerald glimmer begins to glow brighter. Into a spectral figure that is grasping onto his staff as if attempting to wrench it from his very grip. As the emerald glow grows even brighter, you recognize it to be a ghost. It appears to be a woman garbed in animal skins. And each of you hear a voice echo in your minds. Fela, you specifically recognize this voice as that of the Archdruidess's spirit that spoke to you earlier today. The maidens empower me to aid you. You must flee this place. 
Something is coming. That which perverts this place and the minds of these men. You do not have the power to stop it at this time. You must flee. Regroup. Grow in strength. Seek out the tower that is not a tower, the crystal that is not a crystal, the fractal place it all began. Seek out the power of the name by which it was called to our world. Find the weaknesses of its origin. You must go. Seek out the gate to my sanctuary. A way to the surface shall be open. The dead. We will hold these ensorcelled fools back as long as we can. We will attempt to buy you time. Now flee. And as you hear that voice, you begin to see other flickering lights slowly forming. Animalistic in shape in some, others appearing to be humanoid, slowly glowing. Yovan, as you're chasing after Eskel, you begin to see one start to form like a wolf charging and trying to stalk him to go after him. For those of you that are out in the main area, you see another figure. A bear. Almost superimposing itself around Melian to try and push Sir Jared back from him. And the bandit out on behind Edelbaran. If any of you are looking that way, you also begin to see other spirits forming there as well, as if to try and hold them back. With that, Sir Jared is now locked in combat with this spectral force that seems to now be protecting Melian and Faleth from him. You see him try to cut into it, but it holds him back. Melian, what are you going to do? Sounds like uh, we should leave. So, um, Melian scoops up Faleth, throws her over his, under his arm, and just carries her like a football towards where I want to get... Uh, if I dash... Okay, so I guess the real question is, how much of an action is it to pick up Faleth? Give me an athletics check. 21 on my athletics check. Oh, yeah. It's fine. You can just scoop down and grab her. Okay, because what I'd like to do is get a dash action in so I can get ahead of... Pascal, so that if he needs to go by me, he'll provoke an attack of opportunity. For what it's worth, um, I don't know if anyone but... Sorry, um, the names are falling apart. Uh, Askel is running the opposite direction, I think, that we need to be going. But the only person that knows that is Faleth. She's the only one that knows that was a sanctuary. Do Jovan and Quarry know? Because I know Faleth mentioned that the ghost said there was a door, but I can't remember... If she just has to put her rest. hand in the thing, and then everything went terribly wrong. Oh, right. <laughs> so Phelan wants to a... pipe up and say, Yo, Wait, what direction? That isn't, that, isn't that the direction that Yoan is running? Yes. Nope, I'm running the wrong direction. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. You're, you're oh, running after... No... Sorry, no. Melian's running after Yovan, but Yovan is running in the wrong direction now. I think. Right. Yes. But the rest of us don't know that there's a different direction it goes, so... Right. Yeah. I okay. do. I, I just wanted to make sure... Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that... Um, uh, operationally, I was headed in that. So yeah, Ascal's headed in the also in the wrong direction, yes? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And 
I guess the the final question is, uh, from where I am, I can I can get ahead of Pascal, right? If I dash. If you dash, yeah. Then that's what I will do. You'll be I, I, like right there near him. Mm -hmm. I, in theory, I want to threaten his square so that he'll provoke when he leaves. Sounds good. Quarry, it's your turn. And Faileth, you're up after Quarry. Seeing my comrades running in that direction, I will follow them. It was the way that I wanted to go initially. Anyway. And I'm not engaged with anybody, so I guess I'll just dash. You will dash past Melian and Faileth. Oh, uh, I, actually, never mind. I guess I should have asked how far I was because I think I want to take up the rear. I don't want to end up leaving Marsh and Trent or anybody straggling behind. Marsh and Trent have not gone yet. Yeah. So I'll go as far as they are, but no farther. Wherever they're standing. Which I think is probably not that far from me, but I also don't want to leave them. And with that brings us to Fela. Melian, we've got to go to the other place! She says as she's being bounced while being run. Now Ascal is going to run, try and run past you guys. He's clearly, utterly terrified of what's going on. If you would like to make an opportunity attack against him, you can. Yeah, that's what I'm this here for. This is for Melian. I don't think Faileth really is in an appropriate position to try and make one being slung over Maybe not. I I rolled a natural twenty. So does a twenty-four hit him? Lay into this guy. Uh, well, I do sixteen points of slashing damage. Oof. He looks really rough. You actually get him, and he like he 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 falls back, and you see the spectral spirit that had taken the form of a wolf sort of just pounces on him and is pinning him down. Uh, and and we, awesome! That, I roar unintelligibly, uh, and then give uh, Faileth a quizzical look, which looks amazing on a lion face that I currently have. And with that, it's Yovan's turn. Yovan, you probably just heard Faileth's it's the wrong way. Do Marsh? Oh, Marsh and Trent are now following you guys, and with Kawari following behind them are now sort of in a bit of a line. Little ducklings. Right. Uh, oh, wrong way. That's dead end. We... Alright, Fairly, you better be right. Um, and he is going to turn around and with much less care about making sure everyone's in a neat and orderly line and who's in front and who's in back, he's going to just double around and head the other way before he does so. Is anyone going to continue running this direction, or is everyone in this group going to turn around? Well, I'll turn around. I have no control over where I go. <laughs> I was told to follow the child. <laughs> Which is Faila's theme. Yeah, I guess I go the other way. Uh, uh, I had used up all my trick points, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I we'll think you it. have. Yeah. Uh, I'll even use a bonus action to drop out of my range, which, is, which means I'll just resume. Oh, and i got to figure out what shape I take. Uh, I've become Sir Jared again. <laughs> nice. oh, I hope you don't get attacked by the green light people. Uh, they seem to have a handle on what's going on. A better handle than we do. Um, so I'm going to spend a bonus action to... Uh, or 
Uh, Merlin, I'm pulling you over this way. Don't freak back. I'm uh, going to use a bonus action to um, pull Melian in the direction we're supposed to be going. Um, so that he doesn't have to disengage from the, the fellow that he's just nearly murdered there. Melian might hit me for it later, but I'll deal with that. And then I'm going to take an action and dash and head in the right direction. With that, I will move us more into a descriptive run from this. As you turn on a dime, charging back, the temperature begins to plummet around your group as you run through the tunnels. Charging through the central chamber that you had briefly left, you see more bandits have spilled up onto the bridge, engaged by spectral shapes, big and small, animalistic and humanoid. And as you continue charging ahead, the chilling loss of temperature continues, following you, mm -hmm. as if seeking to rip the very warmth from your bones. The creepy ice guys after us. Seems good, right? You can see, at the end of this tunnel, the iron door that leads to Edelbaran's arcane laboratory. You can see that it's closed, blocking your way. But across the floor in this direction, you see a reddish tinted frost, ice even perhaps, that looks to be composed of some perhaps blood, mm. beginning to form across the ground between you and the door. What are each of you going to do? Jovan, you have a split second to decide what you're going to do. You see this ice beginning to form across your path. I... How big of a patch of ice is it? Not, it's not my turn, but... I'm... Make a dexterity saving throw as you... Oh, I'm... Is that over. my fault because I interrupted? I feel bad. I, know, I had good ideas. I was... I was hesitant to... I was about to stop, so... It makes sense. Wait. Oh, okay. That's... Uh, 21. You notice and register this frozen liquid just before you step onto it and you prepare yourself and intentionally slide across it or jump at the last moment reaching the door safely I'm gonna shout it to the rest about the ice if they haven't spotted it yet can I have dexterity saving throws with advantage for the rest of you did you say that there was a shape forming or that it's just ice just a sheet of ice forming but there's no elemental shape forming that no there's no the... elemental Okay. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be an elemental thing out of this. Okay. Yeah, not like I, the, I thought you the, said there was the blood-tinted ice man showing up, and I was like, that's bad. It's not like in The Mummy where the storm assumes the, the shape of the mummy's face. I got a 22. It's an 18. You will also slide across. Marsh and Trent, on the other hand, hit, hit it, and they spiral, spinning out onto it, and they slam at the base of your group. The iron door is in front of you. You wrench it open, but something isn't quite right. The air, it looks distorted. No. It appears that a thin sheet of ice has begun to freeze on the other side of this on the inside. Something clearly is attempting to bar your escape. The ice, though, doesn't look too thick, and you possibly could break it open. Beyond the ice, you see what looks like a glimmer of light. I smash it immediately. <laughs> Give me a strength check. That's an 18. You smash straight through it. Smashing through this ice that's blocking your way, you flee into Edelbaran's arcane workshop. The air here is thick with smoke from the brazier that Kawari lit earlier. As you all stumble into the room, 
and throw the door closed behind you. Just as you were throwing the door closed behind you, it almost appeared that something was reaching up through the ice. Ooh. Across the room, past the iron chair bound to the floor, a section of the wall alights in scintillating colors as druidic symbols glow around a hand imprinted within a paw. What do you do? I look at Faileth, uh, because apparently now we're in this room with no other doors. We've got to put our hands on the thing! You and me, Melian, it's the, that thing over over there with the two hands that are our hands. Put, put our hands on the thing! Yes, Bella, it's exactly what we have to do. She's like, I have the paw! Uh, Melian will carry Faileth over to the the weird uh, paw print in the, and stick his hand in it, I guess. There's a flash of light, and the world for the two of you begins to fade. Quarry and Yovan, as Melian and Faileth place their hands upon the door, behind you, the iron door bursts open, blown from its hinges by what could be only an incredible force. Standing there is an androgynous figure garbed in a mantle of white and blue. Shoulder-length hair the color of snow frames in a pale, unearthly face, designed as if to embody and to display every aspect of arrogance and cruelty imagined, yet masked in an almost impossible form of beauty. Two orbs of glacial blue with pupil in crimson red survey the room with a dangerous intent before resting upon the two of you. For a brief moment, as its eyes lock with yours, you feel a pulse of cold crawl through your veins and your minds threaten to sluggishly slow. Yovan's going to use his mage hand to hurl a brazier at it, while at the same time um, pulling out his last pint of oil from inside his pack and hurling it at it as well, and then throwing himself backwards towards where Melian and Faileth are disappearing, hoping that it's a, some sort of portal or something. Quarry, I should have uh, said earlier, while Faileth was explaining to Melian how the door works, in that, like, few moments, Quarry would have started pulling things off the shelves into their bag because they have an idea and they all want to ask the appraiser some questions. But, and you can decide how much I'm able to grab off the shelf, whether it's one thing or a couple things before the door opens. But when the door opens, is going to look for Marsh and Trent and make sure that they are moving in the direction of the door and place themselves... Barrel forward and push them through? Yeah, basically. Give me a flat d20 to see how... And we'll see how, from that, after the scene, we'll have seen how much you were able to scoop off into your bag. That is a 19. Keep that noted for when we get out of this situation. Okay. As the pint of oil sails through the air at the brazier that has been thrown towards this figure's feet... You hear the same female voice from earlier, old and full of power. You are not welcome here, creature of darkness. You defile this sacred place with your presence. And a frigid voice responds, Foolish spirit, you will pay for your meddling with your very soul. And the frigid figure sneers as he reaches out towards her forming form with claw-like fingers. And again, the woman's voice echoes in your minds. Flee. Emboldened, 
and as you are already rushing, you see a glimmering green vortex has opened. Faileth and Melian have already vanished. And you push your companions, the rest of this, your group, through it. Hope that green spirit lady's gonna be okay. Melian, mm -hmm. as you placed your hand upon this door, you felt a rush of feelings fill you. Wonder, amazement, terror. Feelings you've definitely felt before, but all mixed together. And three disjointed memories seem to float to the surface. In the first, you stand before a great tree with branches that reach to the sky of this grotto. It glows softly with a pale green light amidst a ring of standing stones. Men and women sit around you, members that you know are of the Order of the Endless Blossom, each, every one. You note your master sitting behind Yefa, the eldest matriarch of the Order, and she nods towards the Vessel of Eternal Blossoms as you reach out towards the tree. Suddenly, you're standing before the flap of Elder Ration Ramhorn's tent. Today, you and Nixian will find your purpose. You will be judged, and you will know your birthright. This right will show you your potential and your power. You will finally be able to start training alongside your parents. You glance toward Nixian, his ever-present wolfish grin plastered to his face. I'm ready. Are you, brother? He asks. You grin in response to your twin's question, and push the tent flap open expectantly. Again, there's a sudden shift. You stand before double doors of ash wood in halls of black and white, amidst chiseled statues of the great speakers of the past, of the saints that you have studied in their stories. Your footsteps echoing down the halls of the oratoria behind you. You've waited for this day, no longer a novice. Just a few more steps and you'll be able to take the remainder of your vows. You glance around you at the faces of others ready to complete their vows, most of them younger than you, but very few as skilled in the arts of miracles as you. Only your friend Malachi, your equal, your one and only friend amongst the initiates. The two of you had gotten along better with the tutors, to be honest. Thinking of the tutors, your mind flickers back flickering behind the walls that you've put up, and you wonder if only your master could see you now. He'd probably roll over in his grave if he'd known what you'd end up after the Order and the disaster that had destroyed that world, yours. You shake your head and turn back to face the front as the doors of the Oratoria's inner sanctum begin to glide open, the peals of bells and the song of a choir beckoning you forward to put your past behind you. A sudden feeling, your static flips, an endless black void, a scream, a yell, the shattering of a vessel, drifting, 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 a clawed hand curling around your essence, hurtling you deeper into the darkness. Faileth. Yes? Our time is short, child of dust, the dusky voice of the archdruid spirit utters to you. You stand upon the edge of a plateau of orange-brown stone beneath the blazing orb that is soul, the mirage of heat whispering at the edges of your vision, 
Beneath you, a valley stretches out of the same colored stone, a river winding through it with sparse vegetation. But the walls of the valley, though they look to be of the same stone, appear as if painted, as if a giant had taken a brush to paint lines of color, striations in the stone, yellows, golds, reds, and even blacks. Our time is short. The archdruidess's voice rings out. You turn to face her. She stands corporeally before you, no longer a spirit, garbed in animal skins of pristine white. Elven ears come to points amidst her wind-swept hair, gray with age, her skin the color of rich soil, tainted with clay. But her eyes, her emerald eyes, still the color of her soul and full of wisdom. Behind her, you see an arch that rises of natural stone, carved with looping designs and elvish symbols. Even now, I can feel my soul rending beneath its claws. It tears at me. But I know you must have questions. Even as she says this to you, you see a bloom of crimson stain the white animal skins over her right shoulder, and she cries out in pain, a cross between wordless agony and the roar of a beast. Do you ask a question? Who's taken the children? He has, but not for his purpose. For someone else's For the purpose of something much darker. Something that puts everything in danger. Who's him? The one that perverts my place. The druidess snarls in pain as a gash slowly opens across her forehead, blood oozing from it and plastering her hair to her face. She steps towards you. A stain of crimson now blossoming upon her right leg as she gasps and reaches out to steady herself, clasping your hands in hers. As she does, you feel the weight of a small object drop into them. You must return to the place you were born, not of the Great Mother, but the darker of her two children created by the Two-Faced King. Many paths exist, but only one. She throws her hands into the air, gesturing to the land around you as she continues. This one. This one will lead you directly to your home. You know it well, but you know it not. This is the very place that you touched the Great Mother. Blood erupts from the Archdruidess's side, and she falls to her knees as she kneels before you like a subject kneels before her queen. She utters one last time. Dust walker, dust bringer, dust ender, salvation or confinement, embrace fate or discard it, embrace it and grow, discard it and grow. When the time is right to your homeland, you will return. A land of prisons, a father lies broken, a mother stands tall, but you, you can change the balance. You can decide the fate of the Twelve. Betwixt Gelid and Sargod, where the dragon of Hath flows. 
Blood bubbles up from her throat, her words of prophecy or warning cut off. She falls back, her head striking the ground with a dull thud, her furs now completely stained red with blood. A wind begins to rise, and with it a slow drone that drives like needles at the edge of your consciousness. The wind beats faster and faster, swirling around you as dust sprays into your eyes. You wipe the dust free, blinking as the wind grows stronger, and in the distance you see a rock lifted into the air, only to be torn apart into particles of dust. Around you, more and more rocks are lifted into the wind, disintegrated until they are all but dust. The wind closes towards you, your vision receding as the wind eradicates the very landscape around you, and all will be consumed in dust. You charge through the swirling portal and into a familiar clearing, the clearing above the bandit camp where a tent sits, filled with bodies that you hid there. Behind you, a swirling gate links the inside of the bandit camp to the entrance above it. Through the gate, thin tendrils of reddish frost grasp out towards you. With a few quick strides, the party breaks for the tree line. What do you do? We need to move. Let's go. If we can find the the older women of the forest, the maidens of the way, they they can hold us. But we need to move. Melian's on autopilot, so he just keeps running. Just perfect stride from his perfect Jared-built body. Lead the way. I will guard our retreat. With a few quick strides, the party and your two companions break through the tree line into the forest beyond. Thin wisps of mist begin to rise from the ground as you run, and two voices invoke on the wind, as if drawn by the merest mention. You can smell the scent of lavender and honey. To Quarry and Yovan, these voices are unfamiliar, but to Faileth and Melian, you know them. This is the voice of Gunberg and Janice. The strange crones that you'd met earlier, after being separated by the mist, and which Yovan just made reference to. Twist perception to and fro. Thicken this mist and make it grow. Hide their signs and blunders too. Let them move swiftly through you. Now make watchful eyes look to their backs, and hide the fleeing children's tracks. Send them far, send them wide, across the forest and the divide. Upon this side of Ibris stay, do not travel through Sokshay. Where their path finally ends, let it be where destiny wends. And around you, the world seems to bend and shift, the mists consuming everything, even the ground beneath your feet. You all hang, as if weightless, in a sea of churning fog. Sight, hearing, touch, scent. They all seem to vanish into this white void. And then suddenly, as quickly as they left, they return. First comes the feeling of earth, leaves, twigs, and moss beneath your feet. Then the scent of freshly churned earth and the sap of the trees around you. Followed by the sound of wind gently whistling through them. And the distant cawing of crows 
And then lastly, sight. Sight returns. The gentle wind dispersing the fog that had gathered around you to reveal tall evergreen pines and shafts of sunlight cutting into the underbrush below. Looking about, you have no idea where you are. The mists have cleared. You are surrounded by pine trees. What do you do? <laughs> we have gone too far. The mist has taken us too far. Who loves in the pineapple under the mist? Faileth immediately looks around wildly and says, Mama? Mama, are you here? There is a brief flare and like the eyes of the skull at Fail on Faila's belt uh, flare and you can feel your mother's presence again. She relaxes just a tiny bit but is still clearly very on edge. Uh, Yovan's going to do a quick head count and make sure that they have um, the four of us original and the two people we went to rescue and we don't have anyone extra. Also that important to know. There are six of you in total. But is it the right six? Jovan's way too frazzled to make that determination. He'll leave that to brighter minds. Uh, <laughs> he's going to take a moment, make sure that there's not immediately anything coming out of the bushes, take two steps, and sit down gently but firmly. It could have gone better, but welcome to freedom. Okay. I think the druid might have murdered us. If we managed to get that ambush off on him, I think we would have... We might have had a, a fair go at him. The worst he was doing was tossing snakes at us. That's like a no, snake. he was he was drawing some kind of snow to himself before the uh, green ghosts came to help us out. I think he was summoning something. He was summoning something bad. It wouldn't have been snow. That thing that almost caught up with us, I think. He's in league with that. It's not something to be taken lightly, I suspect. I reckon if it had been just us and him, uh, Melian would have made sure he didn't have any fingers to waggle. But with the entirety of the bandit enclave, as well as the... Hmm. We're lucky we've gotten out of there with our skins. <laughs> He'll take it. Alright, so, well, we're here now, wherever here is. I suppose that's the next question, isn't it? Are the nice ladies here? Where are we? Do the trees look familiar? Are they, like, trees for forest period, or...? There were some pines in the forest. The forest appeared mostly deciduous trees. Where this is majority pines now, correct? At least what you can see around you. They look decently big. Okay. It won't be too hard to climb some of these trees. You're decently good at climbing, the bark is suitable, and Yovan does have a climbing kit you remember him using earlier in your adventure, if you wanted to ask him. I'll absolutely toss it his way, if he doesn't make it halfway up the tree before I get off my ass. You begin climbing the tree, uh, and you see uh, mountains. Once you've gotten a decent chunk of the way up and you've gotten up near the top of the canopy, uh, you see what looks like a 
very large range of mountains. Give me a history check. You don't know that much about the geography of the Dwemerlands or Westmark in general. Uh, you know, there's three territories or provinces to it that are divided by mountains between each of them. Uh, but otherwise than that, almost all of Westmark is boxed in by mountains in some way, shape, or form. And you spend a lot more of your time either past the Northern Reach, um, as you're in your childhood, or down in the uh, free cities of the Alliance when you were with the Red Exiles. Spotting any uh, rivers around? Easier to recognize a river than a mountain, I think. Based off the heights of the trees, if you were, say, standing on the side of, side of one of the mountains, you might be able to look down and see a river, or where there aren't trees, but the river is at least far enough away from you that you don't see where, like, trees stop and then restart on the other side of it. Oh, well, perhaps there are other ways, I suppose. Human spots him doing that, he will try to distract both of the two people that just rescued from looking anywhere near the tree while that's happening. Give me a perception check. Uh, 11 after modifier. You notice that there, that Melian starts to scamper down, and as he's scampering down, he starts to become a bit smaller and his hair becomes longer like Phalet's, and you immediately sort of turn the two of them a bit away and start having a conversation. What are you distracting them with? What do you say? Alright, so both of you spent some time in the bandit camps. We need to know exactly what we're dealing with. We have uh, guests and theories. Nothing solid. You, particularly the boy. You were working with them rather closely. Could you guess at numbers, or...? Oh, uh, uh, y y yes, sir. Uh, the, the numbers for the bandit camp, uh, there's approximately about, uh, I think... 80 stationed just at that camp, but then they rotate people out and in about uh, to uh, smaller camps of about 15. Uh, and the amount of faces I've seen there are probably looking at more of like a uh, a couple, at least a, a few score more than what I what I saw in the camp. more than 150 maybe uh, less than 200 right so at least that's if they were all cycling through this camp through this camp um, they, uh, they they might have another larger camp somewhere else too that is so deep this was just numbers. their staging ground for whatever they're doing in Dwemer Hollow and, and the operation of transporting whatever goods they're taking in right, that's quite the force that's Happens, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Master Marsh, you'd be familiar with them. Uh, you spoke against them, I believe. Uh, the new smith in town. The deal that's too good to be true? Uh, it was too good to be true. 
There's bandits behind smuggling them, and they are... Uh, there's some foul magic about them. I knew that Quent's weapons were too good to be true. Oh, if I hadn't been kept away, the side rain, I most certainly would have spoken out against them. It may not be too late. We've spoken with another noble as well. He brought him, made him aware of what's happening. It was at his advice that we sought you out. Buchanan? The one and the same. Yes. Preston and I often see to eye to eye on uh, maintaining Dormarolo and the fragile balance between the nobility and the merchants. With perhaps both of your voices, if we can get you back to where you need to go, we can we can maybe make some small stop against us. But it seems so small now, too, too little too late. There's hundreds of bandits on the edge and everything. It's all coming together now. I don't know how much time we have. I honestly don't know either. I... They kept trying to get into my head. They saw everything in there. But it was as if they wanted more. Something that they didn't know or that they were trying to find. They asked a lot of questions about the tunnels under Dwarner Hollow. I, in my youth, uh, did at one point uh, spend some time down there, uh, but they're a dismal place, a maze. We have reasons to believe that there is a ritual circle being constructed underneath the city, linked to the disappearances of the children. It was insinuated that somewhere near the center of the city, a center that we would be able to ascertain should we find where the children had gone missing, that there would be some point of confluence, some central ritual hidden, waiting to go off at a moment's notice. It could be that the tunnels underneath the city were how they expected to hide the ritual for as long as they did, while spreading through the full reaches of the city. Or... Hmm. Do you know anything about the fractured tower? The old story? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> If we were back at, uh, back at my cidery, I'd actually have a book on one of, uh, and to be honest, uh, Lord Buchanan likely would have been able to tell you more. His, one of his ancestors was involved in the, quite the sad tale. Yovan's eyes lit up. Just no more than maybe 24 hours ago, I thought it nothing more than a, an idle story about the city hope to follow up on one day, but in the process of rescuing you two, we seem to have stumbled into quite a bit that lends credence, not only lends credence to the old stories, but they might be more important than we could have ever expected. And the tunnels may lead into that as well. They may have been looking for information on how to access something that's been sought out for generations by the people of the city, and that seems as likely as anything. Of a missing secret. Nah, you know too little, too much. No, no, how it all ties together. <sighs> Information without patterns, it's just jumbled up. Noise. Ah. Right, well, breaking our problems into one at a time, our immediate problem is we're in the middle of the woods, we have no idea where we are. 
no landmarks that we spot unless you manage to spot the drummer mount while you're up there. Failed to mention it. It looks hopefully. <laughs> Melian. Ah, drummer mount, the, the mountain that the city is built on. It rises high above the rest of them, so presumably if it was nearby, we'd be able to see its peak. You saw a range of mountains in the main direction that you were looking. Scanning around the whole around, there was definitely a whole bunch of like cloud cover, low 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 hanging cloud cover and mist in one direction from you guys. Maybe if you guys are still nearby and able to see the Dwemer Mount, it would be in that direction. But can't necessarily sure without say if you had a map of this of the land you might be able to figure out where you are. Yes? Uh, uh, oh, okay. Uh, can you give me an athletics check for carrying him up with you? <laughs> he doesn't weigh that much, uh, and as you... <laughs> Can I help? Do you want to try and, like, help boost them up to the f lower branches? Yeah. Uh, have advantage, then, on your roll. With that 18 and with Quarry's help, you're able to get some good footholds and get pushed up from behind that first bit until you get a bit of momentum and start getting into the lower branches. You climb up. You're not able to go as high as you did previously because of now the added weight but you can still get pretty high up. And once you're able to, you're sort of now able to see a bit through some of the trees and you can still see that mountain range. And uh, the boy, Trent, uh, whispers to you and says, uh, those might be the, uh, if, if, if we're still in the Dwemerlands, those might be the Shriekers. Um, or, or they might be the Reach. Uh, I'm not sure, but, uh, it's really high up here. Uh, if there is mist behind us and it's blocking our view of the Dwemer Mount, then yes, that probably means that this is either the Shriekers or, um, uh, oh... Oh, I have family over in Cranog. Why can't I remember the name? There's another mountain range on the other side of the Dwemerlands. It's sort of contested territory. It's some people think say that it's part of Westmark. Other people say that it's like dwarf land. Don't really go up into it, um, but it 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 would look similar as well. If these are the sh if these are the shears. Um, it looks like there's a pass over there, uh, which is that probably should be a, a town at the base of it. At least if... Uh, I, I... I've never traveled this, this far. Um, I... I think that there's a town called Barrowman's at the base of the, uh, Whispering Pass through the Shriekers, but, uh, I, I've never gone this, this way. 
they at least would be able to help us get to the road. Hopefully. Uh. As you're going down the tree, can you give me another athletics check? So as you're getting near the base of the tree, uh, Trent to, like, shake, and he's clearly now, because when you were a bit up at three, he, he was high up, but he couldn't really see the ground, and he starts to shake a bit, a whole bunch, and as you're just getting down the, getting down past the lowest branches, he is starting to shake enough that you're probably gonna fall. Can you give me a dexterity saving throw? Uh, yes, you will fall, and you'll take, uh, three bludgeoning damage. Uh, so, um, the m mountain range that way, it might be the Shriekers, if we're in the Dwemerlands, or, um, it, 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 it might be the mountains uh, be, uh, that, that come up behind the, 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 the town of Cranog. Um, but if this is the Shriekers, then that there's a, it looks like there's a pass, which probably should be the Whispering Pass, unless there's another pass that I don't know about, which is entirely possible. But if it is the Whispering Pass, then probably at the base of it is the town of Barramunds, and uh, there, there should be a royal road. Um, at, at that town that connects to the trade route that should help be able to help us get back to Dwemer Hollow. Excellent information. I have full confidence that we will find a city at the bottom of the pass. You have been incredibly helpful. You see Trent's shoulders visibly sag, like just sag as he sighs and like releases a whole bunch of tension and now he's just sort of shaking being, I was really high up. Don't like heights. I was really high up. Don't like heights. Jovan is internally questioning why the squirrel would ever send this dude out into the forest alone. And it, <laughs> unless she's trying to get him eaten. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Such a good question. <laughs> I will have to drop base with the squirrel first. Like, did you want him to come back? <laughs> if you were you trying to, like... to kill him, we're not giving him back to you. <laughs> How is um marsh and trent looking they look like they have some bumps and scrapes and bruises uh, from when they went sprawling at the base of the door and trent looks a bit more bruised and hurt from when he and melian just fell out of the tree a moment ago uh but uh, they both don't look like they're gonna fall over if something were to breathe on them okay um you can see that clearly the adrenaline of the battle and the flight has run out of both of them. Marsh looks a bit ashen. I'm gonna clap a hand on each of their shoulders. If they're close enough, I'll do it at once, but otherwise I'll, I'll do it one at a time and I'll just say, may soul strengthen you. Uh, and I will give them five hit points each. They both look better. Uh, you do note, though, that Marsh looks tired. If we find this town, perhaps we can spare some time to rest before we carry on. I don't think I can go with you. What do you mean, Faileth? Faileth? I think I'm supposed to go home now. Home 
Wh where? See, that's the problem. I have never been to my home, so I don't know how to get there. What makes you think you need to leave now? Oh, the druid ghost told me. Hmm. Oh, she also told us to find the, uh, the tower that's not there and something about a crystal. Yeah. But she said I had to go home now. It was time for me to go home that maybe my dad's there. I think, I don't know, it was real cryptic and weird, and I, I guess my home is lots of prisons or something, and I asked her who has the children, and he said she said that he did, but she would clarify who he was, hmm. but she did say that it's for me to go home, and there's only one way to get there, but she didn't tell me what the way is. Uh. Well, uh, you can't head out for a place that you, uh, don't know where you're going, um, do you- we should- we should find a safe place, uh, and then perhaps, Faleth, we can discuss this. Maybe there's, uh, some information you have, or s someone we could consult with that might be able to help us find it. But, uh... Alright, I suppose. But we have things here in Dwemer Hollow. The children, the weapons, the... Whatever's going on here with the bandits and the... Uprising against the monarchy. I don't know that we can just leave. She told me that... I don't expect you to come, Quarry Rigovin. I know that you've got stuff to do, but I think that... Me going home has a lot to do with the children. That's what she told me to do after I asked about them. Hmm. I don't know. I. What can you tell us about your home? I don't even know where to start. Do you remember anything about your home? Perhaps there'll be some no. hint that we can. We would. I don't know that. I don't even know that I've ever been there. To be honest, if I did, it was when I was a baby. You see, I. Don't we traveled a lot? Me and Mum. That was even before she died. Would your mom be able to s tell you? Yeah, probably if the bitch would do it, Mother. I've been asking her my whole damn life. I were only five when she died. You can see that your mother has sort of half formed. And the way she's looking at you is sort of a bit quizzical. But when you say that, her face hardens. And she, before she vanishes back into the skulls, this, I forbid it. Well, I'm not listening to you, am I? You will never return to that place. <laughs> You're not the boss of me, dead lady. Do you have any relics of your home? Other than your mother's skull. No. What's your mother's name? Do you know? No. I did mention that I were five, right? When she died? So... Well, you... You speak with her. Yeah, that's... Assume that she tells me anything. Which I think we can safely say she does not. <sighs> I 
I'm sorry. I, you all have all your own things to do, and you don't need to be worrying about me and my stupid ghost mom who tell me anything. I don't even know my own last name. I don't know where I'm from. I don't know who I am. I don't know who my father was. I don't know my mother's name. I don't know anything about myself, my life, or what I'm supposed to be doing with it. I just wander around listening to her, letting her point me in different directions as if that's something, as if that's a life at all. And it, oh, mother, it's not a life. I'm tired. <sighs> Never mind. I won't lose you. You hear her voice say in your head. Please, don't go. Wait, yeah, well, keep this up and you'll lose me anyway. Just leave your stupid head behind and then let's see what you can do. Faileth sits down poutily under a tree. Faileth, as you sit down poutily under a tree, uh, you do notice that you have something in your hands. Um, I take a look. Uh, in your hands, you have a small, perfect sphere of mauve-tinted crystal that appears to almost glow slightly from within, while at the same time, it seems to almost pull the light in around it. Huh. That's curious. Where did you find that? It was just in my hand. I think the druid lady gave it to me. The same one that told you to find your home? Yeah. Jorvin, do you know anything about dust? Not like the normal kind of dust, but like dust thick ruins the whole world. I can't say it's a story I've ever heard. Or at least not one that I've cared to remember. Because I had a dream about it. And now all these different people are are talking about it. It keeps popping back up. Dust tells me the dust that I am that I'm going to bring. I don't know. I liked it better when the ghosts were just telling me about their lives. It's a dangerous thing to get que asked questions and get answers. It's terrible. I've never been happier for it, personally. No. That artifact of yours. The little treasure you've picked up. If you'll stay with us for perhaps just a little while longer while we find ourselves back to Dormar Hall, I bet you... The older fellow who runs the auction house. Maybe he'll tell you a fact or two about it. And perhaps that'll be the clue you need to find. So we can all get you home. If that's where you need to go. All you think. I'll be honest, it's a shot in the dark. Bye. That's better than nothing, isn't it? That seems to be a theme of the past week. Hey, Ovid. Yeah? Do you think that there's a good reason why my mother doesn't want me to go there? Well, well, I can say this with maybe a little bit more confidence, but it's probably because she cares about you, and it'll be quite dangerous. 
there's anyone here quite equipped to make any judgment on your mother's motives more than you, but... I'd like to think that, but I think maybe I'm the least suited. Thinking about it, thinking about what she's told me my whole life, the things that I know about her, I could fill a teaspoon with them. I don't know anything about who she was, or what she wants, or what she was doing, or what we were doing. I don't know anything about anything. Has anyone but you ever spoken to your mother? No. There's some priests that I know, and their whole specialty is speaking to ghosts. And the funny thing about priests is you can try to keep all sorts of secrets, but if you get stuck in a room for one of them for long enough, eventually you end up spilling your guts. It's a terrible thing. But maybe just this once, we can use that to our advantage. Corey can tell you all about that. It's terrible to be left in a room alone with. <laughs> do, do you think that if I ask a priest, they'll try to burn me alive again? Well, do you think that they'd be able to between the Corey and Melian here? I mean, Melian would get really mad and go pretty hair, but it wouldn't be the first time a priest has tried to burn me. Or hang me, or stab me, or throw me in a river, or cut my hands off. Have you often had a paladin of soul standing behind you? Well, not no, usually she's the one who's chasing me. You know, there well, are many... That's a secret that'll make this work. Many different types of priests, and the ones that can speak to ghosts perhaps will not be as alarmed by your talent as... Some others are. Can I tell Blair. you guys a secret? Of course. I feel like I'm supposed to go. And I want to find things out. But I know we haven't been a team for very long, but I don't really want to leave without you. I was by myself for my whole life, practically. It's just me and the dead people. And then I found Melian, and everything got so much better. I, I learned so many things, and I wasn't lonely anymore. And I thought, this is the best that it gets. Me and Melian is as good as I'll ever feel. And then we met you. And it's been absolutely bloody insane. And we've almost died a bunch of times. And it's been so much fun. And I don't want to be by myself anymore. You don't have to be, Faileth. Perhaps if you can wait, we could journey with you. Would you really? I would, yes. Even though you don't know what it could be, you don't know that it'll be worth it. It will be worth it, Faileth. I believe that Soul has brought us together for a reason. Uh, Faileth just hugs 
Yovan and Quarry and maybe cries a little bit. The past year or so, I tried to settle down on my own for once, keep it nice and quiet, and just stay out, let the world pass me by. And in the past week, even after being bludgeoned half to death and about to die in a pit full of bandits, I have felt more alive than even my best day sitting alone in that house. I don't think I could ever go back to just just being alone again. I, I really miss your me. dogs. <laughs> <laughs> And you, you crazy man. I believe we have many more mysteries to solve together. Okay. We should probably go check on Melian. He's been alone with the bacon for a while. If we don't check in, he might eat it all. And that would be the worst thing that's happened to us today. <laughs> oh, and Faleth just kind of leaps on Melian and to have like a little uh, little monkey. No, just having an emotional moment. Just let me have my moment. But seriously, don't eat my bacon. I would like to give all four of you a point of inspiration. Aww. I feel hella inspired. Almost as if destiny is lining up how it's meant to be. You guys uh, eat up some bacon. Probably will need to replenish your rations sometime soon, or else you're going to run out of bacon in, like, a ration or two. Okay, we get need to do that on... right now. <laughs> this is essential. First thing you do when you get to town. Who's got bacon? Faileth has lived on bugs for too long. Is there anything that you guys would like to discuss for your meal before you set out on your next course of action. Quarry would love to look at the items that they swipe. Oh, yes. Well, I know that this seems rather contrary to my character, but hear me out. I, I burned the things that I thought were related to necromancy, but then the green ghost leader she said something that i thought we needed more information about um that druid and he was connected with the the cold person uh and i thought if we took the things from his workshop we may be able to learn more about what he's doing or how he's ensorcelled the bandits or I don't know what but I was hoping that some of these items, perhaps the appraiser would be able to give us some additional insight into what's happening I've literally never been more proud of you <laughs> You open your bag and a small amethyst sphere is thrown at the side of your head and you see the octopus sort of get up, climb up out, and it looks indignant. If an octopus can look indignant, because you dump a whole bunch of things onto it. Oh, um, I, I stroke the octopus and I say, oh, 
I'm so sorry we were in such a rush and I uh, forgot. I'm not used to having an octopus in my bag. Are you all right? Does he still feel cold? No, he does not feel cold. He feels quite warm. Uh, he probably would be able to produce enough heat that a person curled up around him would be quite warm throughout the night. Ah, uh, good job, little Inky. He sort of crosses two of his tentacles and looks <laughs> up at you and blinks a few times, chirps, and then looks at you more, and looks at you more, and then reaches over to the amethyst orb it threw at you and <laughs> just holds it up to you. The octopus begins to reaches back into the bag and pulls out another sphere, pulls out a sphere until you see that it's about all six of the amethyst spheres. It then reaches in and pulls out a silver bowl, puts the spheres into the bowl. You see it reach in and it pulls out three vials that look like they're made of like a, maybe a red glass or crystal. And then it pulls out three jars it's probably a good thing you dumped it onto the octopus, because none of these broke. It oh. caught all of them. So you have a jar that looks like it contains small pieces of atrophied flesh, which appear to be forked and slightly pink. Mm -hmm. Pinky brown. Uh, no. What colors are snakes' tongues? Are they black? <laughs> Let's say that these are all black. Okay. They're all black forked tongues. A jar that has that black liquid with like a piece of what looks like honeycomb suspended in it. And then another jar that looks like it has all these little tiny stone, really small stones that almost look like eyes, but made of rock? Hmm. Quarry, what were the things that you had already taken from? I, I've got red vials and amethyst spheres is what I had taken the first time. Did you take any of the charcoal incense? No, you burned, didn't you burn the charcoal, the incense, and the herbs? Uh, no, I said I, I, I took, I was pretty sure I said I took the incense. Okay. I seem to remember taking it because it seemed kind of religious-y, like I might have a use for it. Though I think you burned the charcoal because that's what you needed. That's what you used to start the fire in the brazier. Yes. To light the black salt, black candles, and the skull femur and right hand on fire. Ugh, yep. You apparently pushed a small bag into your bag. Okay. Like, like, a, like, a, like a pouch. Oh, okay. And it weighs a decent amount. Hmm. Can I look in and see what's inside it? Are you gonna drop it out? Uh, can I open it to look inside to make sure I'm not about to drop things that are gonna be hard to pick up? It looks like a larger crystal of kind. Hmm. Okay, I'll, I'll dump it into my other hand, I guess? Sure. Um, you don't recognize the gem, hmm. but Yovan, are you looking at the items that Quarry is going through? Absolutely, yes. So you recognized 
the uh, red gem vials that Kawari had pulled out earlier. Those appeared to be ruby vials. And Kawari is holding a hunk of uncut diamond. Yovan, um, pauses and then holds up a finger and you mind if I take a look at that? Corey? No, by, by all means, Yovan, please. I don't, what is it? Some kind of a rock? Yovan's going to just go over it very carefully uh, with the lens he has and just chip at it with one of the, like, nah, what would you have on him? Um, nah, something out of carpenters or thieves or masonry tools that judge its hardness. I think that's uncut diamond. Um, if, and the vials might be ruby? Oh. Yeah. In interesting. Um, yeah. No, keep in mind, I'm not a jeweler. We had a guy for that. But. Why would you make files out of a ruby? Uh, well, it has some... It's particularly resistant to a lot of uh, acids, and also some uh, alchemical substances are, uh, are, are more... Uh, less effective on specific gems and such. Hmm. Uh, I'm not a wizard. You do notice that one of the vials is full. I'm no wizard, so I'm not going to speculate about what's in there. But you don't usually put something into a vial made of pure ruby if you could have put it into a glass beaker, yeah? Mm-hmm. Which means that whatever's in there is worth at least as much as the container holding it. Don't season the soup with it, is what I'm saying. Um... Now, I realize we have a whole list of priorities, but maybe if we were to happen to be walking by somebody with an arcane inclination, we probably wouldn't want to show them any of this because it's all necromancer stuff. Uh... Not, not necessarily. I think I, I burned most of the things that I thought were related to necromancy. I, I took these things. I was hoping that they would offer us some insight into how an entire camp of bandits was ensorcelled or what it was that, that druid was doing there, but doesn't seem like... Unless this vial contains some sort of mind-controlling substance. That may be very likely. Um, I, 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 we just want to be careful about which wizard we approach, because if we approach carrying a vial of soul-binding juice, that's probably going to raise a lot of questions. Yes, that's a very good point, Jovan. We should wait until we have someone that we can trust, but hopefully that does not mean we will have to wait too long. No, nothing. Nothing takes a long time. There's just always more other things to do. Yeah. But well done. Good good eye for the looting. That's what's up to you, Juno. That's a pure instinct. <laughs> Quarry was smiling at the well done, and then at the looting was kind of like, oh. So proud! I I thought it was necessary. Uh, Yovan, Yovan picks up on the change of demeanor and chooses to not continue complimenting Quarry. <laughs> Given that um, Melian makes a lot of treks on foot and would have some sense of how far things are visually, even if they're... Does it look like the um, 
the pass that we saw would be within a half a day's walk, or... So if if the village is at the base of the pass, or nearby, as Trent referenced, it sh he thinks it is, it probably is only a couple hours. You should most likely get there with decent time before evening, even. Alright. In which case, Melian will look to the paladin, paladin with permission, and then give a significant look at Old Man Marsh, who I assume has taken off the helmet and is still sort of like wheezing because he's old and tired. Uh, the If the village is where we suspect it is, then we should be able to reach it within a couple of hours. However, uh, perhaps we should consult with the more aged members of our party before we assume such a trek. The decrepit elderly people? Oh no. <laughs> oh no. No, no. I, I can keep up with you, young folk. He says as he sort of like pushes himself up. Wheezing. <laughs> it is not a matter of I, I won't slow your down, ability. But maybe we should get this armor off me. I'll move much faster without it. Hmm. I'll be honest, I have never been one to be cut up for the woods, and this pastel truck has done nothing but reinforce that. If I have to pack uh, Mr. Marsh and his armor the whole way there, then I will do so, and I will catch the first brick I see. Melian looks back to the <laughs> paladin and kind of rolls his eyes. There's just <laughs> no way Yovan is carrying the armor and the old man. <laughs> and then, he, then Melian would not. just end up carrying everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well... In which case, we should set off shortly. I will uh, destroy the fire and make sure there is no trace of our having passed. I will help Master Marsh out of the uh, armor. You go about dismantling your camp, taking Master the armor off Master Marsh, and within short order, you guys are ready to travel. Are you going to leave the armor here, or are you going to bring it with? How good is it? It is serviceable plate mail. For a normal-sized human, um, it definitely would need to be tailored. Would it fit the Jared shape, or is it too small? Because didn't we say Jared was like six six and broad I like think, a barn? Uh, Jared, Jared is a would. I think he'd be a bit bigger than this armor. Yeah. Okay. That's Imagine what, that's your armor when you just tailor the wearer instead. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never wear it, but I'll carry it with us. Just loop a, a piece of twine through all the buckles. Sounds like a plan. Uh, and with that, are you guys going to head out towards the uh, town that's hopeless of this pass? Sounds good to me. Yep. As you guys continue heading through this forest, the smell of pine is rich, and there's a bit of a chill to the wind. Winter is definitely approaching. It, it would probably be good to not be out at night. With the fact that it's, it's pretty cold even during the day. After about two hours of trekking through the woods, you see what looks like a clearing in the distance. And as you step out of the forest into what you first thought was a clearing, you instead see that this clearing stretches out in front of you for at least half a mile of straight, clear-cut land. 
in some places dotted with stumps, and in others clearly converted into fenced farm fields that stretch before you until they come to what looks like a small town nestled at the base of a cliff, a stone wall rising up and encircling the town where it merges with the cliff walls, and behind it, a road that cuts up into the cliffside that leads clearly from a lower point up to a larger set of buildings above it, and seems then to meander off into the rising mountains. As your gaze continues to reach higher, for those of you that not Melian and not Trent, as they've both seen the mountains here before, you see an impressive range of mountains that rise into the sky behind this town. Clouds pregnant with precipitation gather around them and almost seem to blend with the snow-covered mountains. A distinctly chill wind buffets at you, reminding you that winter swiftly approaches, and without proper protective gear and planning, travel may become quite difficult and dangerous quickly. With the town in sight, be it Barrowman's or another, that is where we will leave tonight's session. Thank you for listening to Roll With Adventure, where we bring you this story from our imagination to your ears. If you liked what you heard, please rate us on Apple Podcast and visit us at www.rollwithadventure.com. Our intro and outro music is Brave by Arcane Anthems. Thanks for the components of this episode's soundscapes. Go to zapsplat.com, Arcane Anthems, and Purple Planet Music. Full credits are in the episode description. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Bye! David, don't you mean... What's up? Uh, didn't you know Quarry at the Abbey before you met Big Blue? I, I wasn't saying, like, second sequentially, but, like, second out of, like, uh-huh. I, I've known two Goliaths. I would say that of the two, I knew Quarry both first, and I know Quarry better, but you don't see Goliaths around very often. I feel like knowing two of them is an interesting fact. I'm number one. I'm number one. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, my name's Allie, and I'm playing Quarry Anaclathi Bostukface, a Goliath paladin. There are only three people in the world that, um... Sorry, no... There are three people. <laughs> I'm just going to pack up and go home now. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for laughing with me, Brian. I appreciate it. Loopers. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I, I did it for the content, guys. I'm now just a, a, imagining the lions from uh, The Lion King. The CGI lions. <laughs> and the attempt to put, per, per, put human expressions uh, on, yeah. human expressions on their faces. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, before you describe mm-hmm. this, I just was gonna say 
Quarry's intention was to ready their action for after Trent and Marsh had moved so that they take up the rear. Yes, that was what I understood. Okay, good. I had understood that you wanted to know what tr- if Trent and where Trent and Marsh were going and that you would follow them. Yes, that's right. Or herd them, shepherd them, make sure they're going in the right direction and they don't get left behind. But what if you didn't herd them? <laughs> no. What if you hadn't herd I, them? I, that makes more sense. That makes so my fun anyway. Are you telling me that this is a that you're a border quarry? Yes. <laughs> yes. I found out I have something to do, I gotta go. Um <laughs> Cancel the podcast. It's over now. Oh, what an ignominious end. Definitely a running theme for the day. I, you told me to plan my turn, so I looked at my sheet, made sure I had everything lined up that I wanted, and you told me I started to turn, and I was like, okay, and immediately, reflexively, for reasons unknown to myself, closed my sheet and promptly forgot everything that I planned out. <laughs> so... <laughs>